Welcome to the Human Centered Leadership Podcast with me, your host, Kulmahe. I have worked in the leadership space for three decades, and now I work with organizations and leaders to develop powerful cultures of high value and performance that is built all around their people. We will interview leaders from around the world and at the very top end of their game to explore what emotional intelligence in practice actually looks like and the benefits that it could bring to any team. This is a movement to transform the way that we see leadership and to create powerful cultures where people feel seen, heard, valued and appreciated and consequently perform to the very best. Why don't you join the movement and subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to click on notifications to stay up to date with all new content. Welcome to another episode where I get to speak to incredible people from around the world. Now, these are people who have been involved in leadership a long time and have got such wisdom to share that hopefully our listeners who may be new leaders or established leaders who want to just learn new tricks. So today's leader is actually from not so far away from me. Uh, she's from Lincolnshire, which is a county uh, some 40 miles away from where I am. I regularly go to that county because I do an awful lot of work with a university there. Uh, but Lisa has really struck me because she's, she does what I do. She's in the same space that I'm in, but she does it differently. So Lisa's got like over 25 years of experience in personal and business development industry. Uh, she was multi-award winning therapist, a coach, a trainer. But Lisa works with senior leaders in a slightly different way. Well, significantly different way to how I work with leaders, but we both come to the same point. And I love that. I love that you can see things from a different perspective. And, you know, I very often talk about it like the top of a mountain, Lisa, that all roads lead to the same destination. So no one road is any worse or better than the other road. It's just different. So long as it takes us to the same place. Absolutely. That's it. They complement one another. Our approaches complement one another. And when you see things like that, you know, I, I don't see competition in life. You know, anybody who is involved in the same industry, I look to how can I learn from them and how can I add value to them? And I always look at how can we collaborate? You know, that's just the way I work. One of our values is collaboration. So absolutely. So we'll have to look, we'll have to look at how we can collaborate, Lisa. I think we, we, we are due a cup of tea together as well. But listen, I'm fascinated by the work that you do because what you do, um, and I don't know how it came about because, uh, and that's a story that, uh, you know, you, you will need to share with us. But what you do is, you bring things like tarot and therapy into coaching and development of leaders. How did you combine these two industries, if you like, or skill sets? How did you combine that? And how did you suddenly realise, hey, there's something here? I guess it's that wherever I go, there I am. And that's part of me. Uh, I guess I've got a very eclectic background. Um, yeah. I've had an interest in sort of those sorts of subjects, both therapy, metaphysical, anatomy, um, esoteric interests since I was a teenager. Uh, yeah. I then went into a, a, a fairly long corporate career uh, and working in different levels of management and then on special projects and behavioural and organisational change projects. 
uh, and training and those types of things. And so it naturally kind of wherever I went, there it was. Interestingly, the very first time I came across this type of approach to leadership, I was working with um, head of training and development at the Boots Group, um, a lovely gentleman there. And he used to use tiny little angel cards that came from Findhorn with just one word on them. And he would use them at the beginning of meetings to kind of give permission for people to unpack what was going on for them. Uh, I think he later used little devil cards as well to to use uh, to understand what might be causing conflict and disharmony in teams. So uh, interestingly, it, and that was many, many years ago. So I guess he was a bit of a trailblazer doing those types of things. Uh, and, and I've just kind of melded what's, what I do, both as a therapist and my personal interests, into the leadership work that uh, that we do. Um, so, yeah, wherever I go, there I am. I think that's absolutely fascinating. I love the phrase, wherever I go, there I am. Uh, you know, it, it, it resonates so strongly with me. But here's an obvious question that I guess a lot of our listeners will be thinking what do you do or say to those leaders who say, hey, I don't need this woo-woo kind of stuff. I just need some hard leadership skills. You know, I, I, I literally cannot be doing with this kind of, you know, up in the air and, you know, up in the sky kind of thinking. I guess uh, that uh, we do that as well. So they, they get the, the development of how they can develop strategy, how they can create a vision that inspires people to come with them. Uh, they get sort of the nuts and bolts on how to be a transformational leader rather than a transactional one and what the impact of that will be. So they get all of that packaged together with a more therapeutic, mindful, whole approach. So when, when we're working with leaders, we're working with a whole person, not just the work person, and it's human first. So I guess as they get to know our team and they get to know me, the, the, I guess we're a little bit unique in our team that we are all also trained therapists, qualified therapists. So that brings that human first approach, which is so powerful. Uh, and then you've got me kind of slightly out towards a little bit more unusual. And, you know, I've got some very affectionate terms. So they call it Lisa's hippie stuff. <laughs> Fill in your own blanks. Um, but they, because it is embedded within what we do as a whole, and they see that we're looking at them as a whole human person rather than just a work person, uh, it, it's it's accepted. And again, when I'm working with the likes of Tarot, it's not predicting you're going to meet a tall, dark, handsome stranger. I'm using them like a coach in a box. They're, they all have archetypes uh, and they have a journey that, you know, that we as humans go on. It's called the fool's journey or the hero's journey. So it's a cyclical journey of our development. So I'm looking at it from a, a Jungian psychology point of view rather than a, a really woo-woo way. And I think this is where it really sort of intrigues me because Jungian philosophy is something I'm deeply into and I use an awful lot in, in some of the work that I do with leaders. And when you talk about the Jungian archetypes, uh, that sort of brings uh, a bit more depth, I think, to the tarot work that uh, you're, you're looking at. Because if you mention tarot to me, as much as, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer, I, you know, I, I don't dis disregard this kind of stuff. Um, because we are bigger, there's much bigger stuff out there than we think uh, exists. Um, but when you speak about tarot, for me, the first word that comes to mind is spirituality. 
uh, in its widest possible context. And when I see spirituality, I think of it in a different concept. But people talk about spirituality, and and it feels a bit woo-woo for a lot of people. It feels a bit ethereal and a bit cloudy, doesn't it? But when you talk about Jungian philosophy, which is tried, tested, and proven psychology, I think it suddenly brings it back down to earth. You, you drew some cards uh, on the podcast around the key messages uh, that we think are important in the current climate. And you showed those to me just before the podcast. And I was like, I think you've just nailed it, Lisa. So I've asked you to do something that's so different on a podcast. Now, you're going to have to describe these cards because bearing in mind, some people are just listening to this without being able to see you. Uh, so you're going to have to describe that card. I'm going to see if we can do this. This could be a world first. I have no idea, but let's do this. Do you want to share them on screen as well for, for later use? Yes, please. Yes, Good please. Good idea. Okay, so the first one is what we call the tower. Uh, it's what we call a major arcana card, which means that that is um, on that journey of development for a human. So we have the major and the minor. The major is the development that we go through, the cyclical development that we go through. And the minor are kind of the more incidental things that, that move us towards our goals. So, for example, we've got swords that are about mind, thought and intellect. We've got cups that are around feelings and emotions. We have ones that are around fire and that fire in our belly to take action and pentacles, which are of the earth element, which are about manifesting those ideas and thoughts into physical reality. So it's kind of moving us towards a goal. We have a thought, we attach emotion to it, energy in motion. We then take action on it because we're so... We're so stirred to take action, we take action, and then we manifest it into physical form. Uh, and so that's kind of just given some context. So this is one of the major arcana. So this is one of the, the human journey type cards or the entrepreneur leader's journey type cards. Um, and so when I pulled this out, cool, you had some thoughts on what this meant. I did, yes. I find it fascinating. I mean, and I don't know much about this kind of stuff, but I mean, for those of you who are listening in, we're looking at, uh, it looks like, for, to me, um, uh, Lisa, it looks like a, a tower, it's a green tower, but it looks like it's made of sticks or grass or something like that. And then you have a bolt of lightning striking, striking the very top of it. And you've got like these squirrels and rabbits uh, and animals at the bottom looking up. So the way I read that was that um, uh, leaders at the moment have got a really difficult task because everyone is looking up to the leader and therefore the leader is under pressure. I align that to the post-COVID world where some really tough decisions need to be made and leaders need to start thinking differently. They're burdened with a lot of responsibility um, and that responsibility is high risk, hence the bolt of lightning, but everyone's looking up to that leader. So what I read from that is that leaders, A, need to look after themselves and they need to be aware of the, the the challenges that are facing them, but also they need to be aware of uh, the responsibilities that they hold for their people, which it fits so perfectly with what the the Human Centered Leadership Podcast is all about. Absolutely, I, it, to me, it looks like a little, little bit of a tree that's being struck by lightning. And again, there's some for for people who are listening on the podcast. There are some butterflies that are flying out from the top as well, which is yes, when you are. think I think about transformation. If you think about going through that crystal into a butterfly. Uh, and so, yeah, I think it perfectly depicts that a squirrel obviously is, is looking after those little acorns at the bottom. So that could be the leader, you know, needing to protect their resources, but also needing to protect their profits. 
Um, and as you say, I think we had that absolute lightning strike with the, the COVID pandemic. Um, but that also brought great enlightenment of that people wanted different things as a result of that. It really made people take stock of what do I want from my work and my life, both leaders Absolutely. and teams. Um, and so I think that's made quite a, a sudden transformation of our expectations in the workplace. So before we go on to the next card, I think there's something that you've said there, which I think resonates so powerfully. I think, you know, after covid or during covid we went we we collectively went through this recalibration of our thoughts our priorities our values everything uh, and it was almost like it was an opportunity for us to get some level of clarity in terms of what is it that i stand for what is it that i want to sh- uh, want to what environment do i want to operate in who do i want to connect with uh, and that's why we saw so many people leaving their organizations because they may have been paid really, really well, but they're thinking, well, I'm not feeling valued, appreciated, heard or seen here. So do you know what? I'd rather go and get paid less elsewhere. And that's what led to, you know, things like the great resignation, quiet quitting and even now loud quitting. Uh, so I think this card is it, it just brings out so much of what we've been through. Absolutely. I think there's something else there uh, with the butterflies and the transformation. I think there's a real call for leaders now to step into transformational leadership as opposed to transactional leadership. I often say, Lisa, that uh, if ever there was a time, now is that time for leaders to start thinking and behaving differently. And um, and for me, um, I say that uh, relationship building is the new priority and your new superpowers are things like empathy, vulnerability, trust, These are the new superpowers that uh, great leaders in the here and now should be practicing and honing in on uh, for them to become these transformational leaders that I think the world is needing right now. Just picking upon something you said earlier, it's it's my fundamental belief that as human beings, we want to be seen, heard and loved. Or in a business setting, maybe it's more appropriate or more comfortable to say seen, heard and appreciated. And I think as a human being, each one of us wants that. Uh, and so there's a real challenge now for leadership to encompass compass that. Um, but, you know, our, our people that work with us, the people we serve, uh, the teams that we serve as leaders, you know, they need that from us. They, they need to be seen. Uh, you know, they, they need to not only see the leader, but they need to be seen themselves. They need to be heard. You know, the people, we, we, we make this quote to our delegates, that the people that design the work at the senior levels, the people that design the work and the strategy that's then passed down to middle management, know about 4% of the issues with the work that the frontline do. The middle managers that then take that strategy and that workload and then delegate it to the frontline uh, team, they know about 63% of the issues with the work that they do. But the people on the frontline doing the work know 100% of the issues with the work that they do. So why wouldn't we want to hear them? I often uh, use a a similar analogy and I liken an organisation to a human being. So I talk about the head, the heart and the body. Um, Mm. And in policing terms, obviously, I used to be a police officer, a commander in the police service. We used to talk about strategic, tactical and operational. It's exactly the same thing. So I talk about the head, the heart and the body. The head of the organization is the executive who know about 4% of exactly what the organization does, but they probably have 100% of a sense of vision of where the organization is going. 
They are coming up with the creative ideas, but they have to communicate those ideas to that middle section, which is your leadership section. Your, you know, your junior to senior middle-ish kind of leaders. They're the people who have direct contact with your front line. They're the heart of the body. But if you don't bring them on board, if you don't have a relationship of trust with them, if you haven't built good communication links in with them, if you don't involve them so they feel appreciated in the decision-making process of the organization, whatever message the executive or the head of the organization brings about is going to be diluted by the heart. And consequently, when the body of the organization, this is your front line, these are the people who get the things done, when it, by the time it reaches at them, the message reaches them, it's going to be wholly diluted. So consequently, you'll only perform to maybe 20% of what uh, the anticipation was to start off with. And it all comes down to this ability to build relationships, build a, a culture of trust, and in order for you to have that, as you know, there's so many things that you need to do. You need to get away with from the blame culture. You need to break down the group mentality, groupthink mentality, the echo chambers that exist. You need to get cognitive diversity into your organization. When you've done all of those kind of things, only then can you have a really vibrant organization. Uh, and so I love how you're seeing it. The same thing, but from a different window. I just love that. You know, that is cognitive diversity. And when we create an environment where people can say different things, we can see the same thing, but that much more clearer. Yeah. And I couldn't agree more with everything you've said there. One of the models that we do work work to is the Cousis Posner model, which is yeah. uh, model the way. So the leaders need to model the way. But then talking about that vision, they ins- need to inspire a shared vision so that people feel yes. that they yeah. own it, that they're part of it. Uh, They need to uh, challenge the processes, always, constantly challenge the processes. What works? What doesn't work? How does it get better than this? What else is possible in terms of the processes? They need to enable others to act. And and enabling, that can be through, you know, have they got the resources, the equipment, the funds and everything they need. But enabling them also is about developing every single person in the organisation, developing, enabling them to act through really um, excellent communication structures, the breakdown of those silos that you've mentioned, you know, to to have sort of that that one-team approach, but with that diversity and curiosity in every single one of them. But the most important one, this is the one that we find is the most important, is to encourage the heart. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, we're talking the same language, maybe using different words, but we're absolutely talking the same structures to to achieve that. This is what I find absolutely fascinating, uh, Lisa, and I've been looking forward to this conversation. So, okay, we've seen one card and this is a debate that we've had after just one card. So let's have a look at the next card. So here's the next one. Another major arcana, so another major life changing um, card. Uh, and this is justice, but um, cool. Tell us what you see there. Describe what you can see. So, okay, so I found this one really fascinating. So it looks like a, a young lady. So there's a lady, but it looks like she's mirrored as if you're looking through water. So she, the lady is holding what looks like a sword and there's two pots hanging down from the sword and she's got, got them really balanced. Now, if you look at the the top half where you can see her face uh, against the sky, the sky is beautiful. It's white. There's white clouds there. There's blue sky. She looks really radiant. She's got color in her cheeks. Uh, She looks at peace. Her eyes are closed. Her hair looks really good. But then if you look at her reflection 
or the other side of the card, uh, there's dark gray clouds behind her. She looks very gaunt, unhappy. Uh, her hair is a different color. She just does not look very happy. It's a very dark picture. So what I read from that was quite fascinating. And I don't know if I've got this one right at all, but in a very simple sense, for me, it's about if you get the balance right, you can have a very, uh, you can have peace and serenity in your life, which is so important to me. I mean, I've just been talking about how I'm selling a house because I want peace and serenity in my house. Uh, and our number one rule in our house is that serenity is king. So for me, that's what uh, this whole picture says, that if you get the balance right in your life, and we often use with our clients, you know, the the, the uh, very basic uh, uh, tool, uh, m- the model called the wheel of life. And I often talk uh, when I'm coaching leaders, I often get them to do the wheel of life to see what imbalance there is that's in their life. And it's not until we've done that simple exercise, and it's such a simple exercise, I encourage everybody to do it. But then you'll see these imbalances in your life that are causing a lot of stress and they're actually pulling you away from maybe where you need to be. Uh, so that's what I read in this, but maybe there's more. Lisa, you're the expert. What do you see? This is interesting. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. What What is really interesting, what I see in this today is if we're thinking about leadership, if we are a mindful leader with good emotional um, intelligence where we really understand ourselves and how we show up and how we impact others, then it's almost like we can have calm, clarity, thought and action. That's what I see at the top of the card, you know. And if if we've got that balance, um, then we're going to get, we're actually going to balance the books as well in terms of the business because everybody around us, you know, we... We can either, I mean, behavior is, you catch behavior, don't you? It is, you know, if the, if the leader is calm and mindful and has a real understanding of themselves and how they impact others, then they create a culture and an environment where other people can have clarity. They can feel calm. Even if all all around you is going crazy, you can have that stillness and therefore you can have that clarity uh, and you can make good, well-informed decisions. See, I'm, I'm really enjoying this discussion because, you know, you talk about emotional intelligence. And obviously, that is my specialism. And, and often when, when I open up any one of our programs, I, I say, you know, emotional intelligence is far more powerful than perhaps we understand you know, sometimes you get these phrases, don't you? And they just become that, a phrase uh, with little depth underneath for those that don't understand it. But with emotional intelligence, one of your first steps is to is to become incredibly self-aware. Uh, and, and that's like what's and all self-aware uh, before you start managing your behavior or your, your emotions and how they should turn up. But the second part of it, uh, about it is really becoming becoming incredibly aware of your external environment and the environments in which you operate or the people uh, with whom you align yourself. And then it's about relationship building. So if you do get all of those four quadrants right, and we work with 26 26 competency areas under that, but if you get those four quadrants right, then of course you're going to have balance in your life. But if if any one of those are off, off, um, you know, not quite where it needs to be, then of course you're going to have imbalance. And you, it'll it'll be like that itch that you don't know where it where it is, but it's constantly itching away, right? Uh, and and that that leads to a very unhappy life sometimes. Absolutely, because you, I guess, if you've not got that level of real 
real understanding, then you're incongruent. And that shows up in everything you do and everywhere you go and everywhere you show up and every relationship you're trying to build, it, it lacks integrity and conscious awareness. We do a lot of work within that in terms of helping people to understand how humans tick in the first instance. Um, so we look at conditioning, how we build our beliefs, uh, how that then forms our attitude, our free flow and emotions and behaviour. So we do quite a lot of work about understanding that. And obviously, from a therapeutic point of view, I can delve into uh, unhelpful conditioning and unhelpful beliefs as, as, as coaches can delve into unhelpful beliefs. But as leaders, we can look at, OK, are we protecting the self-image of everybody we serve? Because actually leaders have no right to make somebody feel stupid, small, no right to condemn, complain or criticise. They have every responsibility to protect the self-image of everybody they serve. And they have every responsibility to grow, develop those people that they serve. Um, So let's have a look at the other side of this card. What I saw, as you said, that it's dark, she's gone. Uh, she feels overwhelmed. I see those pops upside down now on this card because I've got the card the other way up and they're sort of like weights on her shoulder. So the weight of the world, she's carrying the weight of the world. She certainly doesn't appear to have clarity. Her her thoughts, if you look around that card now, it's all dark around her head. She has She's clouded judgment, clouded thoughts uh, because she's not got balance. She's just carrying the weight of the world and she doesn't have the tools in her toolkit as a leader to be a mindful, resourceful uh, leader so it is all about getting that leader and it's start that that mindful uh balanced um approach to leadership in any organization at any level um will then you know ripple out the ripple effect of of that uh mindful c- conscious a uh, congruent leader ripples out across a whole organisation. And as you say, it's like an organism. Uh, an organisation is like a human. It's like an organism. It's living and breathing. So the last one we pulled out is the Queen. Yeah, I wasn't very good at this one. All I saw, there's a beautiful lady there. Uh, she's wearing a turban. She's sitting under a tree. She's got like a, what do you call that? A Pentecostal or something? Pentacle, pentacle. It's like a... a- it's like a big coin with a with a star on it, if you like. And she's sitting in what looks like a really comfortable chair. She seems at peace, and and the environment is like a wooded environment. You know, there's a beautiful glow coming from the sun, I presume. And she's got her eyes closed. She's at peace. Uh, and and I guess what this says to me is that everything is possible. You know, even in the midst of this turmoil that we and uncertainty that we all exist in as leaders. If you get things right, if you practice this, some of the things that we talk about, actually, there is absolutely every single opportunity for us to have quite peaceful, serene lives. Uh, so that's how I read this one. Yeah, there's lots in this card, actually. It's really interesting. So pentacles, it, you know, I said earlier that we we move from our thoughts into attaching emotion, energy in motion. We take action on it and then it can manifest. It's like a goal. It can manifest in physical form. What we can conceive in our mind's eye, we can hold in our hands, so to speak. Um, so this is a, at the end of that journey of if we can do the two previous cards, then we can manifest this very serene sort of uh, leadership style. Um, 
around her head, she has got this turban and it's turquoise. And for me, turquoise is all about growth and change. Uh, but we, what we're saying here, and her, her eyes are, are, are coloured in her eyelids, she's got nice turquoise eyeshadow on. And so that means if we can change the way that we look at things and we can change the way that we think about things, we can we can actually create this place where it's comfortable and yet she sat with an orange cushion behind her which signifies for me the sacral chakra which is all about zest and passion for life following your passions being on purpose so you can be passionate you can be on purpose but you can still have this balance um interestingly in the card her left arm is over her right arm which means she is leading with her emotions and her heart first. It's heartfelt leadership. So she's leaving, leading with human first in order to get to the practical financial bottom line rather than transactional. Basically, she's my kind of leader. That's it. <laughs> there you go. In a nutshell. I, mean, I, I don't know anything about the colours and it's thank you for the explanation about what turquoise means and what orange means because we had this, I was doing a, a podcast yesterday and the, the lady I was interviewing has got the most vibrant, beautiful orange hair and I was saying to her, you know, I just love your hair. Uh, and she was on about the sacral ch- uh, chakra and what it means. And it's ironic because burnt orange is both my favourite colour and my wife's favourite colour. And in our branding, there's always burnt orange within there. And I am told that I'm one of the most um, energized, passionate people who follow their dreams and, and, and just comes up with crazy ideas all the time. But I, I enjoy around. It keeps me young, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but Lisa, listen, it's been absolutely fascinating to talk to you. And we've done it in like 30 minutes. But this is probably going to stand out for me as one of the most different unique uh, podcast that I've done and I just love the fact that we've introduced the tarot cards in there in a wholly new way I want to thank you for being here Uh, all the very best but we will catch up for a cup of no doubt thank you thanks for listening I hope you enjoyed this podcast please do subscribe and click on notifications for new content and of course connect with me on LinkedIn take care have a great day